Welcome to Tiff Talks Podcast. My name is Tiffany Marie Davis, formerly known as Tiffany Marie Boydston. A lot of you may know me or have seen me from my competing days as a top IFBB bikini pro. I have since then turned from a top 10 bikini Olympian, celebrity master trainer, and corporate dropout to a serial lifestyle entrepreneur. Let me tell you, friends, this has not been a walk in the park. There's five key areas I will be discussing in wellness, mindset, mentorship, business, and faith. My mission has always been in serving others through real life experiences with no fluff. Tiff Talks is about real, raw, juicy conversations to show you how to discover the champion you have within. Get ready, everyone. Here is where I show you how to take over your life. What's up, guys? This is Tiffany Marie Davis with Tiff Talks Podcast, and I am so excited to bring on my incredible friend and everyone's sweetheart, Miss Diana Dahlgren Bates. I'm actually so excited. The reason I uh, asked Diana to be on is because, you know, we all love her for her real, raw, authentic self. But we're going to dig deep today. I've known Diana for almost a decade. She's an incredible woman, wife, and mother. And there's so much to who she is. And I'm so excited. Miss Diana Dahlgren, what's up, girl? Hello, hello. How are you ladies doing? I'm so honored to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes. So Diana Dahlgren Bates, let's, let's keep it to the facts, right? I want to dig into your story today. For those of you guys who don't know who Diana Dahlgren is, you know, not only is she my dear friend, but she is also Miss Supercross, she, or, you know, she's retired Miss Supercross, but you guys probably know her from Supercross. And she's also one of the top IFBB Pro bikini competitors. And I'm going to dig into her bio and how she got started because she is just a force to be reckoned with. So Diana, I want to take it back. Take it back to when you first, you know, stumbled into modeling and, and I want you to get into that background of your bio. So basically what happened was I was 18 years old and I was going around with my mom's friends selling jewelry, these little like farmer's market. And I'm actually going to be really honest. I don't think I've ever told this story on the internet before. I was at a jewelry booth and I was walking around on my break and I saw this clothing company that was called I Love Vagina. I'm so sorry if that is <laughs> inappropriate. No <laughs> way. That was the t-shirt company. Obviously, the guy was a perv. But <laughs> I went by and, you know, me, my, you know, I'm not like rude or I'm opinionated, but I'm not rude about my opinion. And I said, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I can't believe people are actually buying these shirts. And so he laughed at me. Well, anyways, I kept walking and I went back to my jewelry booth and he ended up coming up an hour later and was like, Hey, you know, um, my friend owns some, uh, some clothing companies and some bikini wear companies and laundry companies. Would you like to model for them? And I was like, sure. So that's basically really where the seed was planted was, um, that farmer's market in San Diego, California. And from How there, you? I was only, you know what? I think I was a few weeks shy of 18. I was only 17. So I'm totally looking back as a mother. That guy might've been a predator, but <laughs> I used it to my advantage. So uh, basically what ended up happening was the, I had connected with him again um, a few weeks later and he said, Hey, my friend who I was telling you about who owns um, clothing companies and swimwear companies, the guy, the friend was legit. His his friend is a prominent Jewish family and they own factories out of China and they have a ton of licensing deals. Um, you know, anywhere from like, like, let's just say playboy clothing 
Playboy clothing is a license. His, his family and him owned all those licenses. So they were producing massive amounts of clothing, swimwear, um, and lingerie out of China. And they lived in between LA, New York, and China. So, um, I ended up meeting him. He said, you know, we have this yearly trade show. Um, it's called magic in Las Vegas and it's going to be in a couple of weeks. Would you like to come out and meet them? And if they like you, you know, you could, you probably could have a job. So I was like, sure. So I hopped in my car and I think I might've even lied to my parents. I was two weeks shy of 18, drove out, met them. And, um, they were super nice and they were like, yeah, for sure. You want to work? Let's do this. You know, you can, you can wear the clothes at magic for the four days in a row. Um, so I was like, yes. So I was 18 years old and I was making $200 a day. And I thought that that was like big money. I was like, oh my God, $200 a day. I am crushing it at 18 years old. For the record, everybody, Diana has the coolest parents. She probably didn't even have to lie to them. (laughs) No, no, I totally did. No, I totally (laughs) did. Oh, okay. Well, from the parents that I know as adults, (laughs) as a child, they were total power trippers. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean... To be fair, Diana Dahlgren, as we know now, can we take it back to when she was 17 years old? I mean, what was happening during that time, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, they could really trust me at that time. If you want to take it back a little, another little short story is I went to boarding school when I was 15 years old for a year because I was a really bad teenager um, early on in my teens. And, and so when I came home from boarding school at 16... Um, I basically just minded my P's and Q's. I didn't party anymore. I didn't, I just had a full-time job and I worked full-time and I tried to go to school, like do college classes. Cause by that time I was already graduated high school from boarding school. Yeah. And, um, I just couldn't learn anymore from professors from being in front of a computer screen and doing all my schooling online. So I stopped going to college and I was thinking maybe I'll become a real estate agent. So I was kind of like in that year, like right when I was 17, 18, trying to really figure out what I was going to do to make money. I knew I wanted to be successful. I was working 50, 60 hour weeks at my retail job, but I just knew what is going to make me the most money. So I was already enrolled in real estate classes. And I was basically trying to dream of the, I was already dreamed of the life I wanted, but I, I was figuring out the avenues to get me to that lifestyle. So, um, that's really what happened. Um, and then when I started getting into the modeling where I was just doing obviously spokes modeling, then they booked me for shoots. Then they were like, okay, well, how much do you want to be paid for photo shoots? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never been paid for a photo shoot before. Um, so, you know, I think they paid me a thousand bucks for the day. And I was like, Oh, mind blowing. So in my head at that point in time, when I was at walking around magic, I actually printed out cards when I was there of my face, (laughs) like a little headshot and put my name, my phone number, my email. And I went around to all the booths. I mean, every single booth I could walk around. Um, that's what I did. And, um, one thing led to the next, but then multiple companies started booking me and that was what I did. I was just a little trade show, I did a trade show. I didn't have an agent. I was just trying to hustle as much as I can. And yeah. photo shoots, luckily, I was able to get some photo shoots. And then it all really snowballed from there. Yeah, it sounds like you've been a natural born entrepreneur since the age of 17. Once you had that, like, 17, 18, that once you had that, like, itch or touch of what you're truly capable of. And that's really, really cool that you chose to really engulf yourself into your natural born talent that you discovered, you know, just by that one incident. So, Really cool. So how did you get into Supercross from your modeling days? Was that a booking that you had or how did you get into that? Because you guys, not only did she get it, get into it, but I mean, what were you like a 10 time Miss Supercross? Did I say that right? No, I was a five time Miss Supercross, but I've been, you know, I'm 30 now. I've been, I've been doing that kind of stuff since I was 18. Yeah. So, um, how Supercross really came about was 
from my modeling pictures and where I live in Southern California, I had friends who worked at Monster Energy because Monster Energy is based out of Corona, California. And I live about 20 minutes down the freeway from there. Um, so basically I was just talking with my friends and I was saying like, Oh, I want to be a monster girl. Like I grew up going to Supercross. My brother raced, my dad was always into off-roading and racing. So I grew up every time Supercross would come around to Anaheim, we would go as a family. So I basically was telling my friend who worked in the marketing department, I want to be a monster girl. I want to be a monster girl. He was like, well, listen, I know the lady that manages all of them. I'll give you her number and then you can just connect with her. But she's the one who books all the girls and does all that stuff. So her name was Kelly Louch. He gave me her number and um, I was talking to her. She had a little jobs for me here and there. Mm-hmm. And then it, I really didn't get booked for Monster until she called me or until my friend that I had spoken to had called me and said, hey, listen, we're going to choose to use you for A1. And that was in 2009. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> freaking out. Um, so, you know, I was just about to turn 19 and that's what happened. I started as a monster girl there, just, you know, it's typical spokesmodel, stand there for pictures all day long, you know, hold the 32nd board and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, a few rounds in, you know, a few months into the supercross season, we had one of our videographers or photographers come up to us and say, Hey, some, you know, one of you girls say this and the girls are like, Oh, I can't do that. And I was like, what do you want me to say? And <laughs> we're here. This is where we're at. You know, we're at Anaheim Monster Energy Supercross, it's February 2018. Come check it out, or whatever it was. It was just an opening line. And um, I said, okay, I'll say it. So I said it. Well, what that did was that quickly got recognized as like, okay, let's go get Diana because Diana will just say whatever we want her to say on camera. So that's <laughs> literally, that's <laughs> legit how my, my TV career got started was just being the spokesmodel who was willing to speak and, and learn and be a seed and soak up all the information I need to do. I love that. So at a very young age, you discovered confidence. That's not really typical, you know, around that time. So that's really cool to see that you stepped into that, you know, confidence is everything. And, and that's actually going to bring me into how we met. Um, so you transitioned from, or you were still doing supercross, correct? Before you got into the IFBB. And I want yeah, to get into was- go ahead. I was, I was a model before I was in the IFBB and ever thought about doing fitness competitions. It wasn't until I was in Salt Lake City and I was working with a girl named Allie. She won the first ever bikini competition that was held at the Arnold. Oh, okay. You look up first ever bikini Arnold. I think it was 2009. Uh It had to have been 2009. Um, She was there at the actual San Diego round and she had all this food packed. And I was like, Ali, what are you doing? She was a monster girl with me. And she was like, oh, I'm doing a fitness competition. You have to, you know, eat all these meals and everything's planned. And I have a trainer. He's up in Temecula. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And I kind of was a little intrigued by it just because I had kind of where my eating disorder had started. You know, I had a binging problem. I wasn't like the person that didn't like to eat. I love to eat everything. So that's kind of where that started, where I, I noticed, you know, at 18 years old, I started gaining a little bit of weight. And um, I was like, oh, I better get this in check before I get fired, you know? Yeah. Um, so I saw her again three months later at Salt Lake City round of Supercross, and she was like, "I won." She had just gotten back from the Arnold. It was in early April, yeah. and she's like, "I won the competition, and now I can go and get my pro card." You know, as soon as they start releasing NPC shows, and I was like, "That is so cool." Well, I didn't ask her much more questions, but all I knew is that she looked amazing, and she was blonde, and like I really idolized like really beautiful like Playboy blindy looking blonde girls at the time. Yeah. So I went ahead and I Googled her, you know, and I found her on Bodybuilding.com, and and I was like, "Oh my gosh, her trainer's in Temecula, Kim Odo." <laughs> right down the street from me. Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm going to call his office and I'm going to go. So the next week I went and I was like, listen, 
I need to lose weight. I know I'm athletic. I was a gymnast for 10 years. I know that that's what I look like under my body fat. So whatever you want to do, just tell me, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Just get me onto a stage. So that is really the birth of my IFBB career was that I, um, called him and, and started there. And my first show was June of 2009 and I was 19. Yep. That's crazy. So you guys, 19 years old, full of piss and vinegar, (laughs) ready to like attack the world. That is Diana Dahlgren to the T. And you guys, when she entered into the IFBB, she came in like a wrecking ball. Diana Dahlgren was here. And I remember, I think my, when I came in was a year later. So what would you say was your experience of competing? I'll never forget my first day. Okay. I want to talk about when you actually, okay, I want to get on stage because do you remember Noy Alexander? Yeah. So she was, huh? She's so cute and little. She's so cute. She's so little. And just like to her as well, she's like a ball of fire. So she actually, same story, came in with like these 10 meals a day. And I was like, what are you doing? And I needed, I needed a nutritionist. So she re- recommended Kimoto. <laughs> and so that's how my journey got started and was continually asked, have you thought about doing a show? And I was like the complete opposite. I was, nope, not at all. <laughs> so with that experience, now transitioning in, onto stage, What can you tell everyone was one, your biggest hurdle, your biggest struggles, you know, coming from that lifestyle of binging, because a lot of us can relate. I mean, I'm with you, girl. I love food. I love food. (laughs) And so what was your biggest challenge and struggle there? And then getting to stage. So I want, it's kind of a two part question. I want you to capitalize on that and then go into, you know, actually making it to the IFBB stage and your experience with that. Well, here's my honest opinion. I think that now as a fitness trainer, having helped my, my own clients, um, I don't think that as a 19 year old girl that had never dieted before. And that was athletic that had a lot of muscle. I don't think that I should have been put on 1500 calories to start 40 grams of fat, 120 grams of carbs and 160 grams of protein right off the bat. I think that, um, I think that that's what really set me up for failure was very from the start. I think that I should have been, had a lot more food. Granted, the fact that I already was eating a lot of food, you know, I ate everything in sight. I was 19 years old. You know, I was just now starting to see the effects of like freshman 15, but I didn't drink. It was all food. Yeah. So it was alcohol. It was, just, it was just food weight. So looking back really is, is, um, you know, Kim did what he needed to do to get me on stage. But mm-hmm. I think that I would have, if it were me as a coach, I would have maybe had a little bit more of a positives approach. Um, that's why I have girls do intake and I see what they're eating for a week before I ever even give them their, their nutrition plan, um, is, is seeing how they eat, what they eat so that then you can be like, okay, their body is acclimated to getting 2,500 calories a day. So let's start her at 2000 and let's see what happens there. Okay. I didn't ever do anything like that. I was just like, here's your tilapia, your, your six ounces of green vegetables for dinner. And then you're going to drink a protein shake with 15 almonds at 9 PM. And then you're going to go to bed. So I think that that's really where my eating disorder began because yeah. my body was so hungry at 19 years old. You're still growing. You still have a growth spurt left your, your body. And, and then not only that, my body wasn't used to dieting. I never did a high protein diet. So I think if I would have been stuck on 2,200 calories, I would have been ready for a show in a lot healthier fashion, but that's here nor there. So that is where my eating disorder began was because I'm um, six weeks into my fitness program. I was ready. I had lost 20 pounds in six weeks. Wow. Started an hour of cardio a day right off the bat and a 45 minute lifting session. You know, I was, that's, that's what was, I started at. 
So, um, I mean, I was supposed to, I started in June. I wasn't supposed to compete until the end of August at the Pacific USA's. I ended up being ready for the, for the LA show in, which is in early to the middle of June. Yeah. So I was ready in six weeks or seven weeks for my first show. And, um, I had binged my first, my first time right after that show. Um, not uh, going into my first national show, which was here in Vegas, the USA's. Right. So, um, I, I was in Wisconsin and I had my first binge. I stayed up all night eating. I mean, I just couldn't stop. It was the weirdest thing. I could not stop eating and it just really snowballed from there. I got my pro card in, um, I didn't get my pro card at the USA's. I waited another month and I went to New York city to the New York pro. I got my pro card there and I just binged my ass off. I just, I couldn't stop eating. It was, I don't think it, the crappy thing is, is that I wish that I knew I think it was really just my body was severely hungry. You know, it's, that's really what it was. And never having a cheat meal, never that's, on nights, you couldn't have a cheat meal. That's what I was going to tell you is you and I competed together and I don't even think I knew what a cheat meal was or consisted of. And I think that's where I can relate to you guys. Like this is something super raw as well. I can relate to Diana's in, in so many ways. Like we go off a tangent and just eat, eat, eat because we've been starving for the last six months and we never were taught how to diet back up. We were never taught how to, um, and, and by no, by no means, you know, you're, you only know what you know. And, you know, we had an incredible, incredible journey and coach. However, when you're good, you're good. And, and people want to make sure that you stay there and they keep having you do shows back to back to be straightforward. Um, can you agree with that, Diana? Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. And, and there's no reverse given. That's, that was the crappiest thing is that, you know, you, you really, when you go on a diet at any diet, any kind of diet, you have to reverse out of it. You have to add food back in when you get to your weight loss goal. And, and I was never taught that ever in the first four <laughs> years of my IFBB, my, the only four years or five years of my IFBB career, I was never taught that. So it went from severe dieting to binging immediately yeah. after you got off stage. Yeah. So there's never, a, you know, this in between like, okay, so tomorrow I'll wake up and have a pancake and have some scrambled eggs with yolks in them, you know, like have these yummy meals. It was never that. It was like, okay, binge today on Monday and then get right back on it on Tuesday. Exactly. Yeah. And like 11 pounds heavier and you're like mentally battling this, at uh, this, this water, <laughs> right. you know? Uh, uh, so, so many women I'm sure can relate to this. So what is the one, and I, and I say this with all love, um, you know, I feel like we've all gone through this for a reason and I feel like we've gone through it to teach others, you know, instead of looking at it as a bad experience. Yeah, it sucked. But if we can take it now, like we've gone through it to, to pay it forward, right? We now teach others how to completely do the opposite, express a cheat meal, how to live a lifestyle to feel good, look good, especially now you can actually go out with your friends and family without freaking out, you know, and actually be able to eat a meal. What's the one piece of advice that you can give women out there right now who are in competing or who have competed to help them with that healthy mindset of knowing what's possible and to help them through that? If, if, if anyone's out there listening and who are going through binging experiences, know that you're not alone. And, you know, Miss Diana Dahlgren is going to share a tip of what helped her go through this. So if you could share a tip, what would that tip be? Go to the therapist, the food eating therapist. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> Um, if you're having anxiety and you're, you're not at a point where you can like even be around food without being like, I'm going to eat all this food. And you're having these weird thoughts about food. You know, I mean, go see the eating disorder. You now have a disordered, um, mindset about food. So you need to go to a, a disorder therapist. That's not a bad thing. You know, they're going to teach you 
how to come out of that in a healthy manner. That's exactly what I had to do when I did my last Olympia. My, and then I did one last show right after the Olympia. I won it and I left on a win. Yeah. Put myself through a year of outpatient therapy for one year. I went and saw a, a eating disorder counselor and I worked with a nutritionist um, three times a week. And obviously towards the end, it got way better, but I really had to just come to the grips that like, I had to learn how to love my body where it was at. I was 165 pounds. You guys, I had to learn how to love my body where it was at from seeing it at 125 pounds ripped to the guillotine at 125 pounds to 165. I mean, I really had to learn how to do that. And, um, it's possible. It's, it's just all your mentality and, and how you treat your mind and your thoughts that go through your head. So, I mean, I, I really think if there's anyone listening, who's struggling with food and you need to go see a, a, a counselor and a nutritionist. That's powerful. Super and powerful. Some books. And what? I need to read a couple books. <laughs> yes. All, anything you can do to better yourself. Absolutely. And change that mindset. Right. Cause that's really where it starts is that mindset. So I just saw you drink out of that Yeti cup and it said Ryan. So it was a perfect segue into insulting nuts. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. So awesome. I actually want to transition into that because I know, you know, during your IFBB career, you also were, you were still in Supercross, correct? Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, just because I've known you for so long, that's where you met your now husband. Yes. And I want you to share that story. I know that story a little bit. Um, as far as I remember, you said you saw him across the way. You saw that jawline. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Lordy. Lordy. So let's, uh, let's take it back there, how you met Ryan, because your life has just really been something so beautiful to watch. Um, you know, I'm completely honored that you're one of my friends and dear friends at that, knowing that you're, you're so humble and you're so open. And I want the world to know, you know, how you met Ryan, how you transitioned into becoming a wife. So I want to hear all of it. Um, yeah, I was just here in Vegas and we were out at the Sam Boyd stadium and I saw Ryan across the, um, semi area, I guess you would call it, but, um, yeah, he was just there doing security and I just had a, I I don't know if you would call it love at first sight moment that people explain. I don't know, but I just remember looking across and and the world went slow for like a good 15, 20 seconds. And I was just like, it's like someone just hit me in the face. Like I was like almost kind of like love drunk or knocked out. And I just was like, that is the most perfect looking human I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I was just like, and I was, I've never, I mean, I've said dudes are hot before. I mean, don't get me wrong, but like that guy, I was just like, whoa. So the monster girls came in, we were at a signing an autograph signing with some of the writers. And I was like, who is that? Cause they're working in the semi where the monster girls are all day. Um, it's where everyone comes up and gets a drink and hangs out in their pit area and all that stuff. So I was like, who is that? And they were like, we were asking the same thing. We've never seen him. And I was like, dibs, dibs. Don't be trying to get at that dude. Okay. My name. And they were like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. Whatever Diana wants, Diana gets clearly from the age of 17, just for the record. Edie's coming in hard. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm never one to go up to a guy and be like, Hey, what's up? Like I've seen right. that. That's like very embarrassing. Right. I, mean, I, I don't know why I think that's embarrassing, but I could never bring myself to do that. And so I just watched him from a distance for like that whole hour. And then he disappeared. And I was like, Oh my God, <sighs> what happened? <laughs> and, um, later in the night, we went down to the, into the stadium where the night show is and where the racing begins and all that. And I, as I was walking down into the stadium before the show started, his the guy I saw him standing to in the rig, in the semi rig, 
yep. was stuck at security. Well, I had a pass that could escort people without passes. Right. So I was like, hey, and I was like thinking in my head, plant the seed, plant the seed, plant the seed. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, are you, um, you know, are you stuck? And he's like, yeah, I need a pass. And I was like, he's with me, sir. Come on, come on, come down here with me. Cause I'm like thinking that hot guy's down there. <laughs> either way he's gonna get down here and I got to see that guy again so I bring the guy he comes in you know to that little area and then I get set up whatever and I carry on with my duties so about probably an hour hour and a half into the night show all of a sudden I look over and there's Ryan and I'm like oh my god I'm just like love drunk I'm like that guy is so hot my husband has a really big jawline I'm like oh that jaw I'm gonna sit on it sorry PG-13 you do rated R. Um, but no, explicit for iTunes and YouTube and Apple, we're fine. <laughs> so I was just like, oh my God, how does that guy even exist? But my agent, Kelly, that Vermont, the Monster Girls, she was standing right next to me and I was like, Kelly, who is that guy? And she was like, yeah, I saw him earlier. He's really good looking. And I was like, oh my God. You know, like I said, a yeah. lot of comments that we don't need to dip, dive into. But yes. basically, <laughs> I had to run off and go do my next task. And so as I look back to look at that guy again, who's walking over there, Kelly. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. She's going to embarrass me. You know, she's going to tell him that like, I'm the one checking him out. Like, no. So I get back, you know, back down there. That's like my little home base area. And I'm like, what did you say to him? And she was like, nothing, nothing. I'm like, yes, you did. I looked back. You were there. You were standing right next to me. We were talking to him. She said, Oh, I just invited him to the after party. That's all. I didn't say anything else. And I was like, Oh, okay, good, good. So they, he took off. I didn't see him again. And I was like, Oh dang, I hope I see that guy again. Fast forward, go to the after party that night. And I get a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's Ryan. And he's just like, I just want to let you know, you're like the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, <laughs> let's get married. <laughs> Cause I think you're the hottest thing I've ever seen in my life. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he was, I just said, thank you. And then the funniest part about this story, Ryan loves telling this story to people is he had two girls in tow behind him. So he had one girl. I didn't know the next girl I knew. And I knew she was crazy because my ex-boyfriend dated her. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, that girl's crazy. He can't be having none of that crazy chick. Cause like up on him, I'm going to have to link on to this train to get after this guy, <laughs> you know, from the crazy. So I linked on, got dragged through the crowd. And as we get up into the, his booth area, the girls kept walking and they went to another table and I tapped him on the shoulder. Like I didn't have anyone else to hang out with, you know? And he was like, Oh my God, you know, hi. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, like I'm here. <laughs> and we just kind of started having conversation. I then found out quickly that he actually couldn't hear. He has um, severe hearing damage from, um, my husband was in the military. So he had a couple of combat deployments and he actually can't hear. He's very hard of hearing. So I, uh, I was talking to him and he was just smiling and being like nodding and like kind of talking and, and he really couldn't hear me that entire time. So then funny story is I was like, well, let's go outside and go talk. So we went, we were in the hard rock and we went out into the casino floor and we walked around for a couple hours and we just kind of got to know each other. And, and we hung out all night. We stayed up till 6am talking and then we both had six, 7am flights. So, you know, we split up, we got each other's number, but we texted that whole next week. And then he flew back down to California. He was living in Washington at the time. And he, um, took me out on our date first date. And then the rest is history. Yeah. It's, you know, I've, I've followed your guys' journey and it has been 
like the truest love story, you know, from what I, from what I do know. And I do remember the whole proposal um, and the proposal, you guys, there was like a time and Diana, we can, you know, not talk about this or we can, but I do remember there was a break and there was a break. And I just remember like you and him, you guys were just meant to be like, you could tell, like, I just, the DD I know like Ryan is great for her. Right. And I was like, I couldn't imagine anybody else being with Diana. And when you guys took that break, it was like, kind of like a bummer, you know? And then all of a sudden you see Ryan pop back up and you know, he, he knew, you knew you guys were engaged. So what happened during that, during that time? Well, we were six weeks out from our wedding and we were just fighting a lot. We were, we had been fighting the entire time we were engaged and I just, it, there's, I can tolerate a lot of sh- bullshit. I should say, I cannot tolerate insecurity. It's like my number one trigger. It makes me go from zero to a hundred. Just, I see red. I think yeah. it's because I am so loyal and I don't know the, all the guys I've ever dated before Ryan constantly had an issue. It was like, Oh, you're super cross. You know, are you banging the riders? I'm like, no, <laughs> they're five foot six and they're 150 pounds. I'm bigger than them. No. <laughs> I don't want to bang the super cross riders. So when it started happening with Ryan, it was a real shock because the first two years together, there was no kind of, there wasn't any kind of insecurities like that. It wasn't until we moved to Washington and we were building our, our second bar together. He had already had his first bar and that just this insecure being came out of the woodwork for about a year. And I just, I mean, we were at each other's throats. I mean, I mean, I'm lucky the cops weren't called. We were screaming so bad. You know, it was just, it was so bad. And, and finally I was filming and um, in Sturgis one year and he called, everything was fine. He called me and was like, Hey, how's, you know, your day morning, your morning going. I'm like, great. We just got done filming and you know, on to the next film here in a couple hours. And he's like, Oh, well, did you ride on the back of a guy's bike? And I said, yeah. I mean, that's pretty standard for my job and yeah. just, he lost it. And I just, I just had no energy left in me. I just did, couldn't even lose it back. I just said, we're done. <laughs> we're done. The wedding's off. And he was freaking out, you know, and I said, I'll call everyone. I'll tell them all. I don't mind. You yeah. call parents, you call this right. I was like, okay, I'll call them. And I hung up and I, that's exactly what I did. I called all my bridesmaids. I called my parents. I called his parents. And I just let everyone kindly know that it's not fair to myself or Ryan to walk down the aisle and be in shambles it's not okay that my wedding should be the most perfect day of my life. And I should be walking down the aisle and vision, looking down at my husband thinking, Oh my God, I scored in every way. And I can't wait to live the rest of my life with this guy. And at that point in time, I mentally was not like that. I was like, well, this is a gamble. We'll see how this goes. You know, that's powerful. That's growth, Diana, to be able to do that, you know, and know your worth. I mean, you were clearly in that space of I'm going to do whatever it takes. Everything should feel as so walking down that aisle. So that's super powerful. Yeah. So that's really just what happened from there. I called off the wedding. You know, I, um, I, I just, I went, I went blank for, I almost had like a quarter life crisis kind of like, you know, I lost my fiance, my wedding, all my, my bar, my business, my entire savings account that I had at 24 years old, you know, was in that business. Yeah. I kind of just felt like I was left in, in a, a dark hole and to pull myself out, I didn't even know how to be happy again. I didn't even know what made me happy. I went from a eating disorder to a serious boyfriend to 165 pounds trying to figure out, I mean, he loved me at my biggest, which was cool. You know, I'm like, wow, Hey, like, I'm still lovable when I, I, I don't look fit, you know? And just 
a whole new, I mean, there was just a lot going on when I met Ryan. There was a ton of stuff. So when that, and he really helped me in a lot of ways, but then when his insecurities kicked in, it really just, I am the kind of person like I'm, I'm a fixer. And if my friends are drowning, I will do everything I can to like lift them out of water. So when he was drowning and I was doing everything I could to lift him out of water, I was, I finally drowned with him after a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I, that's when I became miserable. And I was just like, this isn't going to work. Like uh, this isn't working, you know? So, you know, we broke up and I just had to really focus on myself and figure out how to pull my own self out of, out of water. So I moved back down to our apartment in San Diego, um, you know, got all this stuff out of the apartment and I just had fun. I rode my bike around. I worked out every morning. I made new friends. I said yes to experiences. Um, you know, um, just, really took advantage of any kind of thing that I could do. And that involved a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, had a great time. <laughs> and I mean, then um, you're still, you know, you're still a baby at that point, you know, you're just getting clear. Yeah. I was 25 and I was like, yes, you know, I'm yeah. living up. So, um, I started dating somebody. He started dating somebody as well, but we never really lost contact ever at any point in time. So how long was that? Would you say? So we were broken up a total of six months. Um, I had even gotten a new apartment every day. I got rid of our San Diego apartment. I was up in Newport Beach. I was living with my girlfriends. And I kind of started seeing somebody. And remember, I'm very driven. I'm very, um, I don't make excuses. Like if I'm miserable somewhere, I'm like, get yourself out of it. There's no excuse, you know? So I just basically said to them, um, or said to this guy that I was dating, I said, I was engaged. I didn't tell, share him with any information. He just knew I got out of a serious relationship. And I said, you know, I, I called off my wedding and I was just really bluntly honest because he could tell I was starting to pull away. And I was like, I just can't do this anymore with you. You know, I'm, I'm so confused right now and I just can't do this anymore. Cause he was a nice guy. He was super. Yeah. Nice. And so then, you know, Ryan's dating this girl and apparently she's a nice girl and, and all that. And I, I flipped out on him because, you know, like he was lying to her. At least I wasn't lying to the dude. I mean, I was texting Ryan in front of the dude at his house, you know, right. whereas Ryan wasn't, Ryan basically told this girl I was crazy and I was long gone. And so I was like tempted to call her and be honest with her. Isn't it interesting that like, that's the first go-to is that you're crazy. And when people, <laughs> it's always, <laughs> people still think I'm a psycho lunatic, I'm like, villain, you know, but in reality, it's like, it just didn't work on both parts. Right. It's yeah. Not the blame game. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so basically we ended up, um, Valentine's day, um, reconnecting basically. Um, I drove up to Vegas in the middle of the night and then basically we just, we talked it all out. And, um, six weeks later we got married. We just got married on our own. We didn't tell anybody. Um, we didn't want to hear anyone be like, you guys have just been broken up. Like give it some time. We didn't want to hear all that. We just knew that it was right. And yeah, so we, you know, my best friend came into town real quick and you know, we got married and, and then that was it, you know, um, six weeks later I was five weeks pregnant and, and then I, you know, we broke the news to everyone. Hey, not only are we pregnant, but we're married too. And, <laughs> surprise. and it kind of worked out nicely because we didn't have to, we had spent, you know, 50,000 planning this wedding that didn't take place. And so we saved a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was, it was, it was great. I mean, I wouldn't change our story at all. Ryan used to be a little bitter, you know, Oh, when you broke up with me, you know, he used to say all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> he now sees the benefit of, you know, he was like, we would have made it through, you know, if we would have gotten married, we would have made it through. And I'm like, no, we wouldn't. I'm telling you right now, we would not have made it because I was not in the mental state 
to, to fight. I was done. I, there was nothing yeah. left in my tape. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, it's just a really cool story. I do hear a lot of girls. I have a lot of girls reach out to me when we do open up about that story, like on our social channels yeah. and, um, you know, just being open and honest and saying, yeah, you know, we broke up and then we got back together. There's so many girls out there like, Oh, me and my boyfriend just broke up or me and my husband are split up right now or whatever. And it's, it's, when you, you, at some point you have to put yourself as a priority and take care of yourself. If you're really not in a good mental state, yeah. you know, it's just like the mom and dads you hear about that are 10 or 15 years into their marriage. And all of a sudden they become alcoholics or drug addicts. You know, they need to go to therapy. They need to take six months off from their normal life and they need to go and they need to get help. It was kind of like that, except I wasn't obviously a drug addict or an alcohol, semi-alcoholic, you know, <laughs> from all the partying I was doing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I just, it's very good to take care of yourself. If you're not okay, you need to go get help. You need to go get some guidance and, um, you're not a bad person or a weirdo for needing help. You know, we we're human, we're all sinners and we all make mistakes and make big mistakes and small mistakes. And, you know, sometimes you just need someone to, that you, that you can trust and respect to lead you out of the dark water. So. Amen. I'm a big therapy person. If you can't. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I believe in that too. You know, I, it becomes, it comes to a point where, you know, we need someone to kind of mediate and especially if we're not getting through, right. We're like slightly missing each other. And even just that like millimeter of slightly missing each other can totally throw your whole world upside down. Right. So it's having someone bring you guys back to center and then learning how to dance together again versus stepping on each other's toes. So that's super powerful. Um, now going into becoming a mother, I know you made a post about, um, wishing you had posted more about your pregnancy. Like I knew you were pregnant, but the world didn't know you were pregnant. And I know you said that, you know, you hid it. Why did you hide it? And, and what do you now wish that you would have done? Well, <clears throat> I just hid it because I was 26 and I was, I was scared to lose my Instagram followers and my Facebook following. You know, I was, I was like, nobody, you know, no one's going to want to see me pregnant. You know, I was still, you know, looking back, I was like, oh my gosh, I am so, um, I am so young, but at the time, at the time I was like, Oh, my career's anyway, might be coming to an end. You know, how much longer am I going to have like bookings constantly? Yeah. And so I just didn't want to do anything to jeopardize any of my bookings. So I just didn't tell anybody. I didn't share it with anybody. I pretty much, if you go back to that whole chapter, my Instagram, you're like, wow, she's like posting nonstop and you don't even see that she's pregnant. You know, it's like, I was, I was just, I just had this fear and now looking back, you know, I'm 30 now and I'm like, oh my gosh, what an idiot I am. You know, like, like it's becoming a mom is so fun. I mean, I won't make that mistake next time I get pregnant, but, um, uh, I just had this fear that I was going to lose all my followers. That was really my big fear. And so, um, I'm an idiot for thinking that don't do that. You guys, if people want to see you like if people follow you just for bikini pictures, I'm really blessed that my Instagram followers actually have always liked my personality because I've always been, you know, talkative, um, on my Instagram, but like the followers that I have lost are like the followers that are like the guys who are just looking for bikini pictures all the time. And it's like, I don't post stuff like that. I never have been one to post bikini pictures constantly. Like I might've posted in my monster girl uniform or in my IFBB, you know, competition bikini, but right. it's like, I've never been like, check me out. I'm on the beach. Sexy. You know, it's like, I just don't do like that. <laughs> I mean, the world thinks you're sexy as is. I mean, you tell DD to turn around and you're like, Oh, that ass, that's totally your trademark is badass. So I, girl, <laughs> you don't have to do much. That's just, you just show up, world turns around and they're like, what? So you being a mother is so inspiring. Um, and I do know that you love it. You're, I remember meeting you, you know, for breakfast and that little boy is just, he's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. 
the sweetest, funniest, and just full of joy, baby. And that's a pure reflection of you guys. So very, very great job on that, Didi. So what is the most rewarding moment of becoming a mother? And then also, what is the most challenging thing about being a mother? Most rewarding, rewarding thing about being a mom is just everything. Um, I think the, I just, I don't know, like taking things from my own mom that I loved about her. And then the things that I also didn't like her about as about her as a mother, you know, yeah. really making sure that I do those things that I want to do with my son. Um, I don't know. I just love, I just love him. I don't know. I guess you can't really explain it until you become a mom, you know, until yeah. you have that child yeah. and you, it's just an instant connection. I mean, I see parents all the time, talk to their kids always and, and do foul things. And I feel bad for those children. I feel bad for those parents, but I mean, we all have bad days. Don't get me wrong, but, um, just everything about having a child and like, they're so pure and, um, you know, really taking care of that pureness and protecting them. And I don't know, I'm just so honored that God chose me to be his mom. And I, and, um, I love every second of it. And, I work a lot. I've been working a lot lately. So, you know, I got him into a little school that takes him, you know, majority of the day so I can, um, have him, you know, learning arts and crafts and I don't have to be here with the Disney app on all day. But, um, I think that my biggest, my biggest downfall as a mom is when I'm tired and I can snap, you know, my patience runs low when I don't have my sleep. So besides that, my child is such a great boy. He's happy. And, um, you know, he's, he's a cute, he just loves his mommy and daddy. And, and we just have a good time as a family. And, and, um, I think the biggest thing about the challenge about coming a parent is figuring out how to, how to be connected with your partner again, you know, like that one-on-one -on -one time is really the, the big challenge really is, is just trying to figure out, okay, like how do I get my sex drive back? You know, it's like, uh -huh. do I have enough sleep? You know, it's like, I'm so tired that I don't even want to, like, I can't even unclo unclothe you with my eyes because I'm like, sitting here trying to keep my eyelids open, you know, it's like your whole, your whole body and everything, it shifts because now you don't just take care of yourself and get up and I could just hop in the car and go to the gym and like go run my errands. It's like, you're taking care of a little human being who depends on you in every single form. So, um, you know, learning how to, to juggle not only your child, but then you're also your partner because, you know, you can't forget about the partner. I think that's a big thing. And so many people forget about the partner. So, um, um, yeah, really trying to balance that. And I still have days where like Ryan's like, hello, you know, pay attention to me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just overall, the whole thing is fun, you know? And if you are waiting to have kids, that's totally fine. Live it up while you can. I'm going to tell you right now that we still live it up when we don't have our child and, um, we get out and we get crazy and, and we act <laughs> like teenagers again. So it's, um, and I'm not a bad person, but I see so many. No, I, can't, I can't cuss now that I'm a mom. I can't. I can't go on party now that I'm a mom. I'm like, fuck that. I'm going out and I'm getting wasted tonight. I just, <laughs> so, um, you know, just not forgetting your personality and what makes you you and having fun. You know, like yeah, of course there's certain behaviors now that I don't want to do around my son. You know, I want to be a good example for him. I want him to have a great wife one day and know what a a good woman and a good human being is. Um. But, you know, like, for instance, my parents, they never partied in front of us. I see a lot of parents partying in front of their kid. I, I don't like to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I see a lot of parents, you know, treating their kids like shit in, in public. I don't, I don't like to do that. But, um, you know, I just, you just take it one day at a time and it's just fun, you know, and, and I don't, I can't empathize with anyone who's with any parent who, with kids who are older than my kid and who have multiples because I'm not there yet, you know? So it's like, I just take it one day at a time and learn the things I don't like that I do and, and learn the good things that I do like. And I just, I roll from there. Yeah. And speaking of multiple, I, I know that you had mentioned that you're possibly trying for another one. Oh, I've been trying for many years. 
<laughs> uh, I'm actually going to a fertility clinic here in a month. So I'm super excited for that. I don't know if it's just because I work a lot and I'm so, you know, my mind is constantly working and I'm constantly on my phone. So it's, I don't know if it's that or, or what it is. You know, we're building a home right now where yeah. I'm building a new business. I have my other business. I have my marriage, you know, I have my child. I have some major, you know, women usually choose the women and the mom card only. And I'm over here doing mom card, wife card, two businesses, and I'm managing um, my home build. So it's like I, everything kind of falls on my plate. I really have tried to make it so that my husband doesn't have to do a lot of stuff when he comes home. He's in a very high stressful job. So when he comes home for two weeks, it's like for him to just veg out and chill and us to like go on the boat or just do whatever. So it's like our, all of our financial responsibility, our, um, everything we choose to do with our personal life, it really falls on me. I take that on. So it's, it's a lot to handle. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and as, as women, that's just naturally the gift that we can provide to our men is to be able to take on 20 different things and still take care of these baby humans in the process and raise them to be great humans, you know? So man, I, I love you, Diana. You know, I, you're just a force to be reckoned with and you know, where, where can we find you now? I, I know that you said you have multiple businesses. I know you have a new business venture that you're taking on in the marketing space. Um, where, where can we find you? Where can everybody look up to you as far as your new venture, what you're doing now, what you have been doing? Well, you can really just find me on my Instagram. I'm, I'm getting a lot more social on there nowadays. Um, and that's really it. You know, if I'm, I'm bebopping around Vegas and Henderson area. You can find me on the strip every once in a while. You can find me at the Costco near you in Henderson. Um, I just hit Walmart before I did this podcast. So you can find me there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Or you can find me on Lake Mead, Lake Havasu, <laughs> probably with a white claw in my hand, preferably. So we're having a good time. We're living, we're breathing. We're good. God is good. For the record, is it dianadalgren.com still? It is. If you need to sign calendars, sign poster, you go to dianadalgren.com. Dianadalgren.com. You can find her on Instagram at dianadalgren. You can also find her Salty Honey Company, which I still remember when she kicked that off. It's at Salty Honey on Instagram as well. Um, and also she has an incredible marketing space. She has stepped into the network marketing space, which I'm so proud of you, Diana. We will have you on for another episode of that. Cause I want to watch your building. Your Gosh, I need to talk to you and get some tips on pointers <laughs> my team, because it's like, now you need your team to be sales people under you, you know, That's yeah. how, and it's like, I never thought I would be doing a network, social networking company, but now here I am. Yeah. Three years of my friend bothering me constantly to do it. And I finally stepped into the space and now I'm like, oh, this is easy. Oh my God. I was embarrassed this whole time. What an idiot I was. Now I'm on my, I'm like rolling along, but yeah. I'm like, you got to get your girls to work. So it's like, dang. And it finds you when it's time and when it finds you or when you're in that space, that's really how it starts. Right. And it's already embedded in us. It just takes that extra step or that belief from someone else that, hey, you got this. You're like, oh yeah, I do got this. I can do this in my sleep. But it's about duplication, right? And creating that leadership and mentorship. But that's a whole nother episode. We have incredible leaders. Um, you know, we'll be doing a podcast with Angie Lee as well. She's a marketing ninja, the network marketing space. Uh, one of my dear friends as well. So yeah, we will totally do a recheck with you on that. You guys, Diana Dahlgren, check her out. Also be a part of her team in her mentorship program. She's an amazing woman. And, you know, thank you for sharing your heart. We've covered so much from, you know, competing super cross to eating disorders to marriage and becoming a mother it's just we're so excited to see the feedback that you get from this so thank you so much again for being on and we will talk to you soon thank you ladies <laughs>